book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses, six, uh, verses 19, excuse me, verses 19 to 24. Matthew, chapter 6, verse 19, and then we'll end at 24. All right. Let's do it. I'll read it, and please follow along. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of God. Thanks, Daniel. And uh, good morning again. It's good to see everyone. Uh, my voice is little, still a little croaky, and so if I cough into the microphone, uh, I apologize in advance. Um, we've been going through a series, as Daniel uh, shared, called The Daily Grind. Um, and so I kind of started off last week in this way, but um, if you remember Jack, right? So Jack, he, on Monday, he woke up, he, he hit the gym, right? So that was the first uh, sermon of this series. And then on Tuesday, uh, after a hard day of work, he spent some time winding down, watching Netflix, right? And that was the second sermon of this series. And then last week, uh, it was Wednesday, and so that's hump day, right? And work was particularly hard, it was difficult, he was wondering, why do I work? Um, but he thought about it, and he went to the Bible, and he managed to pull through. And in all these things, Jack's beginning to see now how God is present uh, in these everyday moments of life. But today is now Thursday. Right? And Thursday is it's shopping night. You know, as Jack goes to the shops, you know, they open later on Thursdays, and he starts buying stuff, he wonders... I wonder what God thinks about the way I spend my money. I wonder if God cares that I have you know, more than five jackets. What's the right number of jackets to have? Right? Or is there a better way to use my money? Right? Even though in our age, shopping is kind of every day. It's 24-7 now with online shopping. A Thursday night used to be, and kind of still is, it tends to open until late. It's the night we go out and we get our shopping fix. We get our retail therapy. And so that's the question. Does God show up? in the spending of our money, right? Not just in the necessities, but as we spend it on things like luxuries. Now, who here loves to hear sermons about money? Yeah? We love to hear sermons about, I don't know, um, loving one another. Maybe even service and worship, right? All these other topics, I feel like there'd be people in the room that'd be like, oh, I'm interested in this. But I find it very rare to find anyone interested in a sermon about money. I'm like, man, do you have to talk about that? I feel like money is one of those topics that we'd rather not go into. This one feels a little too personal. Right? God can 
be the God of my life except maybe in this area, which is money. I said, God, you can have the rest, but leave money to myself. You know, as you go around churches, you might have a feeling that just talk too much about money. And some churches talk too little. Some churches seem to kind of overemphasize it maybe. That's, what, that's how you may feel. Uh, talk about it all the time, at every opportunity, maybe every week. And on the other side, there are churches that tend to never talk about it because it's personal, because it's uncomfortable. Now, where do you think we are as church in, t- in terms of talking about money? Right, I thought about it, and I feel like, like, at least in my opinion, we talk very little about money. You may have a different opinion on that. I feel like we don't talk about it much. Because of reasons, like I said, it's too personal, don't want to be uncomfortable for you guys, etc. But as we will find out today, money matters a lot. Money matters not just because it's a matter of obedience, right? You obeying God and using your money well. But we're going to find that money is a matter of faith, and it's also a matter of your heart. And so in these ways, it's very important for me or someone else to stand up here and talk about money. It's a matter of faith. Now, when we talk about money and handling money and how we should spend money, uh, we think about and want specifics. Uh, what's the percentage that I should give to God? Right? What's the right amount that is reasonable for me to spend right, on stuff that you know, I just want? Uh, is it before tax or after tax? You know, that kind of specific. Which house is too big, too small? Which brand is okay in terms of clothing or car? Right? Specifics. There are no percentages, right? In the Old Testament, you had the 10% tithe, uh, but I believe in the New Covenant under Jesus, that 10% rule is no longer over us, right? We have much freedom in Jesus Christ to kind of spend our money and give to God as we choose. But, before we give a sigh of relief, right, as I pull out that 10% and say, you know, there's no rule for you, it's really important for us to look at what Jesus actually then says about money. Right, so in Matthew 6, 19, Jesus tells us, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And so Jesus gives us a command here. He says, do not do this thing, but do this thing. And so really, if Jesus gave us a percentage, it's a hundred percent. It is for eternal things. It is for heavenly things. Right? That's kind of where Jesus takes us. And so the 10% rule may not be there, but really Jesus is saying, give it all. Right? Do you see how radical his command is? When we become followers of Jesus, he doesn't want us to make a minor adjustment in how we spend our money. He doesn't just want, to, want us to kind of cut off the, the 10% and say, that's yours, God, but for the rest, I can just do, with, do whatever I want with the rest. No, no, he asks that the whole person and the whole life will be given to him. Everything that you and I are about is to be for his will and his kingdom. Right? It's a reorientating of our life's trajectory to now be fully about his kingdom and about eternity. That you should begin to look at eternity, yearn for eternity, live for eternity, and invest into eternity. That is the Christian life, fully given to God. And it's not that we can't buy certain things, certain brands. Again, there's no kind of hard lines there. But still, 
It's very important for us then to evaluate our lives as a whole and ask, with all that I earn and all that I get, can I say that my life is toward God, toward the things of eternity? Am I building on earth or am I building for heaven? And it's important we frequently evaluate ourselves in that way. And the reason why Jesus gives us is found here as well. He says, invest into eternity, into the things of heaven. And the reason why is this. Because the things on earth, he says, moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. In a point, Jesus is saying, invest into heaven because the things on earth will perish. They'll be destroyed one day, right? Either through time, either someone will steal it, or you will die. But the things we will invest into heaven, Jesus says, it will last forever. He's not saying, give to heaven because I told you. He's saying, give to heaven because it makes logical sense, right? It, it, it makes sense. And you're waiting there, I'm just kind of you know, playing on your phone, like you're looking up YouTube. But your friend's taking a long time. And you're thinking, must be very desperate to go. It must, must be you know, a lot of business to do. And you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. And they're still not coming out. So after a while, you're like, oh man, I better check on them. Maybe something went wrong. So you get out of your car, you go into the toilet in Macca's. You open the door and your friend's there excited to see you. And they say, look at what I've done with this toilet. They put up a painting on the wall. This isn't home. We're just passing through for but a moment on our way to get home. And Jesus will tell them passing through on our way to go home, which is heaven and eternity. And so don't invest into this earth that we're just passing. McDonald's toilet. We're like, of course no one would do that. But how silly it is to build up a little toilet block and make it your your kingdom as if it's your home. And we know that's uh, silly because we believe in our physical home on earth and it all kind of makes logical sense to us. Right? We, we believe that the toilet block isn't there long. We believe that we're going to head home after the road trip to go home. And I feel like that's really the key to what Jesus is saying. here. But it's not just a matter of, again, obedience, use your money right, but it is a matter of faith. Do you believe in the things of God? This becomes the obvious choice and the wise choice and the easy choice only if one thing is true for you. If you believe heaven is real. If you believe heaven lasts forever. If you and I really believe, like truly in our heart of hearts, believe in the reality of heaven, then the thought that we are investing here and not there will, will be silly to us. And when Jesus says invest into heaven because it will last forever, we'll say, of course, that's a logical choice for us. Right? It makes sense. That's the question. And that's why it's a matter of faith. Do you believe heaven is true? Am I cracking? There's two things that we need to believe. The first is we have faith in God's promise of heaven. For some of us, the difficulty with us surrendering our money and investing it not here and not getting bigger and better and using it to you know, give to the church, to donate to charity, 
to help those uh, around the world who are in poverty, to help fight against, you know, um, in, in mercy and justice ministries. You know, the, the reason why we struggle with these things, I think a lot of the times, is because we struggle with believing in heaven. We struggle believing that this life is very short and we're going to go somewhere forever. I mean, intellectually, I think for the... Right, do, do you believe it as if you believe that this music stand is there, as if the chair that you sit on is real? Do you really, really believe it as a tangible thing? Maybe we haven't given it enough thought. Maybe we haven't given it enough time. But maybe it's simply not true for us in our daily moments. We need to believe in God's promise of heaven, but we also need to believe this, in God's provision on earth. For us to be able to give to God and invest into eternity, we need to believe that everything I give to Him and that I now not have, He will take care of. Right? Jesus, straight after our passage in verse 31 to 33, He talks about not being anxious. He says, Therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God's saying, don't stress as you invest into heaven and into eternity. As you give to the church and to charity, don't stress about how you're going to survive because God knows you need all these other things. And if you seek the kingdom first, God will take care of you on earth. He will provide for all those things that you are worried about. And so we believe in the promise of heaven, but as we give there, we believe that God will then provide here on earth. And so don't be anxious. And I think this is an important word for us right now in our kind of economic climate and with everything as interest rates rise and we're giving more to our mortgages and we're worried, how can I still be invested into God and church and heaven when there's so much strain in me? And this is a challenge for us to believe that God will still provide. Now I want to come back to this because there's wisdom involved right at the end, but maybe this is a place where God can strengthen your faith. And so this is why it's important that we talk about money, think about money, and what you do with it. What you do with your money shows something about your faith. Do you believe in heaven? And do you believe that God will take care of you on earth? When we don't, we will not invest into the things of God. We will try to protect it and keep it and rally it around ourselves. We'll build for ourselves the greatest comfortable kingdom that we can here on earth. They're all the products of a struggling faith. And if you struggle to surrender your money to God, maybe this is where you need to work on your faith in God's promises and provision. I'm not saying you don't believe in Jesus, and I'm not saying you don't believe in heaven, but perhaps you don't hold the truth of heaven and God's provision enough. And so first, it's a matter of faith, but it's also then a matter of the heart. In the next verse, Jesus says in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We invest our time, our money and energy into the things we love, right? We, we get that. Whatever you love, you're going to invest into. You love your family. You'll invest your money into them, give them good presents. You love your children. You spend time with them, give them good things. I'm so sorry. Even though that's true, 
we invest into, you will love where your money goes rather than the other way around, right? Where you pour your money into, you will find that you will have greater care and thought and affection toward those things. And so this means two things for us. First, follow your money and you will find your heart. It doesn't matter what we say that we love. Look at where your money goes. And that will show you what you really love. Right? What you invest into, you love. If you followed your money trail like a detective, you looked at where your money goes, where's your expenditure. If you were to categorize it, how much of it goes into these kinds of things, holiday, technology, gaming. And how much of that is for myself and how much is it, of it is to other people, how much of it is to God. You will find what you love. It doesn't matter what you say, your wallet speaks louder than your words. But if you had a friend who had a new boyfriend or girlfriend, and they said, we're we're just just casual, not really serious, but every time you see them, they're buying their new boyfriend or girlfriend the massive gifts that are really expensive, and they're like, I'm not really into them. You'd be like, I think you're lying. (laughs) I don't believe what you say because your money is telling me the truth. And it doesn't matter what we say about what we love if all our money is going into certain things. The fact is, you probably love them. And on the flip side, it doesn't matter if we say we love God. If we find, as we look at our money, that none of it goes to God. Or maybe minimal goes to God. It's, it's saying something about where our heart is. Do we really love God enough to invest into Him? I'm not saying you don't love God completely, but maybe you don't love the things of God then. Maybe you don't love the people of God, the church. Maybe you don't love the mission of God, right, evangelizing. Maybe you love God, but not all the other things that He cares about. your heart toward those things. If I took out half of the money in your bank account, all of your savings, and I invested it into um, Apple stock, and you didn't care about Apple before, you were a Samsung person or an Android person, and you're like, oh, I hate Apple. And then I took half your money, I invested into Apple stock, suddenly you'd care about Apple. You'd be interested in Apple. You'd maybe listen to their shareholder meetings and be like, oh, I wonder if they did well. You'd care if the new iPhone you know, dropped, flunked, or if, if it did well. Right? You'd start to care about the things of Apple because your money has gone there. If you sponsored a child over in Thailand, you would begin to care not only of the child, but maybe even begin to care about the nation of Thailand. Maybe you never thought about Thailand before, but as you hear about something on the news about Thailand, you'll be like, oh, I wonder if everything is okay. Where your money is will steer your heart toward those things. And if you begin to give to the church, you will begin to be more invested into the church. We can steer our heart by the way we serve our money. And if you are a believer of Jesus, right? If you're not a believer here, this whole sermon kind of like, I I don't want you to give to the church. But if you are a believer, don't wait to give to God. Don't wait until you feel like it before you give to God. Until you're ready, like, oh, yes, I'm ready now to to give to the church or give to compassion or give to charity. But maybe what you need to do is to begin to give out of obedience. Not begrudgingly, but as much as you are willing to, maybe push yourself a little bit. Give to his church, his charity, his missions. Give to other people and serve them. 
then you will find then that your heart will expand for these things. If you don't, and you keep waiting, you may find that your heart will just grow cold toward God and toward His church. The way we use our money, it reveals where our heart is and then it will steer where our heart will go. And so, the way we use our money is important. Very important. And I'm going to add on to this because this may be the single reason for why you are still at church or committed to Jesus in a decade or two. The way you use your money may be the single reason why you are still here in a few decades. A few verses later in verse 24, Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's interesting, and I've said this before, out of all the things Jesus could have put up against him, He's got, you got him as a master, God as the master, and he says, maybe this other thing will tempt you away from me. Right? Out of all the things in this world that Jesus could have given as an example, relationships, other religions, he doesn't use any of those. He says, money. Money is the other master that may lure you away from submitting and following me. But right? that's how full money is. Jesus knew that the one thing, out of all things, more to God than I would have had, I want to keep 90%, and I'm going to be able to do it. I'm going to be the exception to the rule, we think. I'll protect my heart in the midst of all this. But Jesus says, no, you can't. No one can serve two masters. You will either hate one or love one. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. It's a lie to think that we can love both. It's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the heart, and it's not biblical and if we try in the end only one will reign in our hearts and the reason why we will end up hating one and loving the other is because god and money they're kind of incompatible in a way the way it's meant to be is that god me and money and so as i serve god everything in my life including money serves me serving god and so now i'm investing into the things of god into heaven and eternity that's the way it's meant to be But when we get that wrong, what happens is that money is our master. I serve money and everything else in my life serves the pursuit of money, including God. And that shows up when we, most of our prayers and most of our worries and our struggles is is money. And we're going to God and saying, God, I've got a money problem. I've got a money problem. And all we really want God to do is give us more money because that's what we're choosing. When money is our master, it tells us what you have is not enough. You need more for yourself. Use people to gain more money, to get more things. And money is the source of your trust and joy. But that is very different when God is our master. Because when God is our master, he says, what you have is enough. Be content to not be the richest in the room. Not get more, but be content as long as you have what you need. Don't use people to gain more money. Use money to bless people and bless God. Trust God, because He is your joy. He is your provider. Right? They're incompatible. You try to chase both. Eventually, you'll just get annoyed when the pastor tells you in the sermon, give your money to God, and you'll say, mm, I don't like that, because I love my money. And your heart will be torn. And eventually, you'll choose one. 
And unless you're fighting for that one to be God, the outcome is that it will be money. And you will turn your back on God. I think this is the hard truth to the things that tell you what to do with your hard-earned money. What we do, it's not just about give to the church. Right? I'll be honest, like, it's hard to talk about money. Like, for me, even on the pulpit. And I'm sure it's hard for us, you know, when we gather in groups to be like, hey, so are you using your money for God? Like, we don't want to go there. But it's so important to talk about. It's not just about how much you're giving. It's about do you believe. It's about faith. Do you believe in heaven? Do you believe that God's going to take care of you on earth? I care about your faith. So as a pastor, the loving thing to do is to talk about it. I care about your heart. Is your heart for Jesus or is it for money? I care about in a decade or two whether you're going to still be committed to Christ. I care whether you're sowing into the kingdom, therefore steering your heart. I care about that, so I have to talk about it. But it will be unloving for me or for us to avoid talking about money because we're just letting people do whatever they want and for their faith to turn away and for their hearts to turn away from God. It's such an important topic to talk about. We must talk about this. It's a matter of obedience, a matter of faith, a matter of the heart. And so I'm going to end. Oh, sorry, I have three points. Did I say two? Worst, worst sermons in the world when, I'm so sorry, when you think it's going to end. And there's another point. Okay, I want to end with this one. It is a matter of obedience. Let me give you of like we, we have greater expenditures with everything uh, rising in costs and our mortgages going up. This is the situation we find the Macedonian church. And yet there are four things that we can learn from them. Number one, give cheerfully. It says in verse 2, in a severe test led to giving. Right? The joy led to giving. In verse 3 it says, they gave of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. The Macedonian church didn't give because they were forced to or because they felt guilty. They were joyful in their giving. Right? It was their choice. And like that, we should give joyfully. None of us should feel guilty after this and be like, oh, I guess I have to give now. That's not what we want. Everything we under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. So don't feel compelled after this that you have to give. Maybe you'll be convicted, not compelled, convicted and you're like yes i should and then if you want to you do but don't be like i have to right do it because you want to it's better to give less to god joyfully than to give more reluctantly but then i'm going to balance that out with this one and the, these two pairs kind of pull us in tension right we're going to find these two pairs and the three and four they're kind of intention this is like a spider web i feel like kind of pulling us along give generously in a severe test of affliction, the abundance of joy and the extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth. The goal, though, is a wealth of generosity. Generosity. That's, that's the goal. Now, if you're not there, don't give, like, don't feel forced to it. But as you give cheerfully, the goal is, I'll cheerfully give generously. Right? But we're, we're pulling these two things in tension. Wherever you are, you give whatever is cheerful. Remember, the goal is 100% into the things of heaven. It's generosity. Give generously. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, As for the rich in this present age, verse 18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. I love what Paul does, like a play on words. Right, so cheerfully, generously. This is his intention. Number three, sacrificially. 
For the severe test of affliction, there abundance of joy, and the extreme poverty led to something. Right? This is the equation. You've got extreme poverty in Jesus Christ equals question mark. What would you do if you had extreme poverty and yet you were joyful in Christ? What do you think? You'd be like, I want to give, but I can't. That's not what happens. It leads to the wealth of generosity. Isn't it? A weird equation. Extreme poverty plus abundance of joy equals a wealth of generosity given to God. Their joy in Christ, it triumphed over their extreme poverty. It's one thing for us to give when it's easy, when it's out of surplus, when we get everything we want and then we say, oh, I guess I've got a lot left over, I'll just give God some of it. And we don't feel it. It's a different thing when we give when it's hard, when we give when it's sacrifice, when we give and we feel that giving because it means loss. And yet that pleases God. If giving is a matter of faith, believing in heaven and that God will provide on earth, if it's a matter of my heart, I love Jesus, then it is when we give out of sacrifice that we really display our faith. Jesus uh, is watching people put money into the temple. It says he saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box and he sees a poor widow. She gives two small copper coins to God. These two small copper coins is like the smallest denomination that they had. For us, it'd be like uh, the five cent coin. Is that, is that still notation? The 10 cent coin. Let's bump it up to 10 cents. Two 10 cent coins. Imagine we had offering boxes and someone goes, two 10 cent coins. We were like, oh, what, is that all? Jesus, that giving. The sacrifice it took that pleased God. And I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged as I look at Kingsway. That despite the financial pressures we're going through, uh, that we have continued to give faithfully. I'm very encouraged. because Not just because that means you're giving to the church. Because I feel like that is a, a response of your faith. And a response of your heart to God. But again, we're balancing this one with the next one. Give wisely. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and extreme poverty overflowed in generosity. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. It's interesting that Paul kind of divides that and he says, they gave out of their means, like what makes sense, and then they decided to give more. It kind of divides those two things up. And I think it's because what Paul's saying is that it's important to be wise about your giving. To be realistic about where you are. So look at your situation and don't be kind of reckless about it. Look at what is right and then maybe if you feel like it, when God convicts you, you will then go beyond. But it's not kind of giving where it's like the only way to please God is to give all that I have. I don't think that's biblical. It's okay to be realistic about where you are and give in a wise way. And when God convicts your heart, Go above and beyond. When God convicts your heart, do what feels unwise and doesn't make financial sense. But do that consciously, thoughtfully, not just on a whim all the time. Giving recklessly is not the only way to demonstrate your faith in Jesus. So for some of us, if we feel the pressure of our mortgages, it may mean that what is wise is for a season you give less. I don't think that's ungodly. 
But maybe as you pray about it, despite that, God will then call you to maybe do the opposite and give sacrificially and trust Him. Right? You've just got to discern what God wants you to do. Right? And these two things are now intention for us as well. So, where have we gone in our three points? Right, I said a lot, but I want to reorder. If I reorder it, it's a matter of obedience. What you do with your money matters. God wants 100%, so give cheerfully, generously, sacrificially, wisely. Right, that's my encouragement to you, and you discern what that looks like between you and God and where you'll give. And it's important because, again, it's not just a matter of obedience. It's a matter of your faith. Do you believe in God's promise of heaven and His provision on earth? Do you believe that should show up in your giving? And it's a matter of your heart. Do you love Jesus or do you love money? And if you find that you're investing all your money into getting more money and buying more things, maybe you can sow your money to steer your heart toward the things of God. That's my encouragement to you. So number one, reflect. Just think about all the things. I said a bunch of stuff. Just think about it. Where's your faith? Where's your heart? And then second, if you are a believer of Jesus, maybe you can respond by giving according to what God wants you to do. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. I just wanted to sit on this and again, this is a touchy subject. And maybe... um, the first kind of reaction is to kind of push away and be like, I'm okay, don't, don't, don't get into this area of my life. But you know, I hope I showed that this is a very important topic, not, not for me, not, not just for the church, uh, but for you, for you and your faith in your heart. And so let's wrestle with this between you and God. Uh, wrestle with your questions, your, your reservations, your uncertainties. Wrestle with where your faith is. Are you not giving to God because you don't trust that heaven is really a real place? Are you not giving to God because you don't trust that God will take care of you? Are you trying to take care of yourself? Are you your ultimate provider in your life? Wrestle with God about where your heart is. And let's surrender our lives to God. Let's spend a few seconds in prayer. Let's pray.